Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. And welcome to another podcast where we've got loads to get through and as the games are coming thick and fast, of course. We're going to start off by looking back on our, let's say, edgy win over Rotherham. We just about got through in the FA Cup after extra time. We'll be looking back on that in the extra time segment. And then we'll be looking ahead to the next game against Wolves with a match preview. For all of this, I'm joined by Terry and Owen. And of course, Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast. So, warm welcome back to Mike as well. And then, of course, three of these guys will be going up against each other in a three-way quiz where we're going to have a little bit of a different format. We're going to have a sort of prices right um, kind of format for the quiz. So, all three of the lads are going to take part in that at the end. So, stay tuned for that. But first of all, let's look back on our, yeah, let's say, nervy performance against Rotherham, shall we? And welcome to the extra time segment for a game where we needed extra time to get through. It was a 2-1 win against Rotherham in the FA Cup third round. Not what we were hoping for, really, with the exception of the fact that we actually are in the hat. It was very, very difficult. We made hard work of this. Uh, I'm joined by Terry Owen and Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast. I'll start with you on this one, Mike. How, how did we make such hard work of this? Um, we, I mean, we started the game pretty well, didn't we? You know, we, we got an early goal and you think, OK, this is going to be a bit of a breeze, this. And I think maybe the players got into that mindset as well. You know, we, we look quite quite crisp and sharp and you know, Gordon started the game quite well, uh, looked lively and he just thought, yeah, this, this is this is ours, this, you know. Um, and it was almost as if they just became too relaxed. And we we allowed Rotherham back into the game after about 15, 20 minutes and and they then made it a cup tie. And it's it was down to to our sort of inability in a way to to just um move the game forward and, and score score a couple more goals and capitalise on on being the Premier League side. Um and we've seen it, haven't we? You know, we we've seen it in years gone by. And we said it a few times this season when players are, are brought in and given a chance and they're not particularly taking that chance, you know. So we, we need a squad of players without sort of jumping too far forward that, that can compete. So when someone is out injured, suspended, whatever it might be, those players can come in and it's it's like for like the, the quality is not, not impacted. But yesterday it sort of showed again that we, we're, we're lacking in certain in certain areas and, and maybe the mindset of certain players who are on the fringes isn't quite right. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Owen, I'll come to you because um, when, when, as Mike's saying, there's a bit of a, an issues in certain areas from in terms of squad depth and the quality that we have maybe in the reserves who came in for this game. With regard to the midfield, Tom Davis and Andre Gomez had stinkers yesterday from what I witnessed. So uh, it, it always comes down to, I'll have to ask Owen what he tells about that performance from the midfielders. They were, they were both pretty abject, I think. The core came on and sort of... He won what he did win us the game, didn't he? Because he got us the goal and whatnot. Um, now, the pair of them in midfield were embarrassed all game, to be fair, I thought, because Rotherham's midfielder said before the game in the um, preview show that um, Rotherham won't sort of come and surprise you, but they are a well sort of, they're a well motivated group of players and they'll give her everything, and that's exactly what they did. So, that just motivation and will and desire to be on the pitch and do well. Made them, it is. them, them two on the pitch. They've just made them look like idiots. I think we won the game, and, and I, I, that's fine. We're through the next round, so that's the positive you take from it. But I, I think we'd be talking a lot longer about the performances of them two in the midfield if we hadn't got through yesterday because it was as bad as they've ever been. Especially Gomez and this part of that game was just dreadful. But Shambles. yeah. We, we have to take the positives ultimately and say we're through in the next round and it shows what an important player Abdullah Decore is for us 
getting on the pitch. Got a few bad performances here and there. He's been absolutely excellent this season. He's been a great addition to this team. Yeah, I, I think we need more players like Decore, just that sort of engine room in midfield, and just with natural sort of sort of pace to go about the pitch. I just, I just don't think any of any of them two in midfield have that. I think, obviously, Alan is saying is quite mobile, but the rest of them are just really just lack mobility. Yeah, the, those two in particular are honestly it was awful to watch and. I think for me that's the should should set the alarm bells ringing. Like we said, what Rotherham players said in the build up to this game, they're a well motivated bunch. Where's the motivation in these players in Andre Gomez and Tom Davis? Where's the motivation? Yeah, it, Rotherham knew that there was a huge quality gap on paper, at least between that the Everton team and them. So it's just. Hard work and just giving her everything, and it nearly paid off for them on another day. It would have. I think they were um, they were about Ladapo up front as well. Maybe if he was on the pitch, they would have found another moment. But we we need to look at that performance in more detail rather than the fact that we'd won because I think that there's some issues there. Yes, some pretty serious issues. I think the issue for me is the motivation of. I, I mean, I think I go on a bit about this, but. I always question the motivation of some of our players when you saw some of these players raise the game when we had fans in the stadiums again for that December period. And since we've not been allowed fans in, we saw it at the West Ham game and we saw it here where these players don't seem to be able to G themselves up for a game. And that's a real concern. These are professional footballers. Like, you should have some elements of motivation to go out and win a football match. That's what you're doing for a living. I just, I just feel like they got the early goal, Everton toast and scored, and then from then on in, I just, I just think they thought they had the game won, and it, it, it never works out like that, especially against a team like Rotherham who just rolled the sleeves up and give everything. So, it, a learning curve on our part. Certainly, uh, Terry, what just, what did you make of this? Like, what? What could what could we have like done better? Really, I mean, is it a, is there an ability problem? Is there shouldn't be against the side of the league below? But I don't know. It was it was bad all round, wasn't it? Like usually, you you know, you can point at the fringe players and go, they were terrible, and, and they were. But even like you know, first team players were awful. Like I didn't think Keane and Godfrey, who have been really good this season, were very good either. Coleman was terrible. Dean and Hammers, Luca Dean and Hammers Rodriguez. I'm a little bit reluctant to point the finger at them. They were both pretty bad, but they've been out for weeks and weeks and weeks. So they're coming back and they're getting some minutes under their belt. So it doesn't make mean that you know they weren't playing badly. They were, but they've at least got an excuse. And in fairness, Hammers did set up the winning goal with a good pass. Well. That's Hammers, isn't it? Like, you know, he, he didn't have a good game. He still got, you know, like a massive contribution to the game. But I'm telling you, the substitutions are what changed the game, Rotherham's and ours, because Rotherham were taking off their players who were giving us the art time. They took off Crooks, took off that, is it, Ola Sunday? Ola Sunday, he's a very, very good player. Yeah, they started taking them players off towards the end. And I was like, what are they doing? They're taking off the players who are causing us the most issue. And then obviously we brought on Decore as Owen touched on. It just looked like a school match where you brought on a lad from one of the older years and he was just a cut above everyone else. And um, yeah, I, I, we say this all the time when we play badly and win. If we don't have Carlo, we don't win that game because the subs, I think, changed the game completely. So we're through to the, the next round. And I said um, last night that, well, all these, uh, every time you, you win a trophy, there's always this story that they tell years later, like, oh, the worst round was the first one. We nearly went out to some lower league team and we nearly did come out to this lower league team. Because... When we last won it in 95, I think we had to, we needed a replay to get past Bristol City. But we need to be a lot better if we're going to do anything in this cup because if Rotherham would have had more quality, if we were playing one of the better championship teams we'd have lost yesterday, it was the exact... The exact scenario that the lads pointed to that we, I, I was the same, scored that first goal, and I actually turned to misses and went, This is just a case of how many goals we're going to score here because these don't look like they can live with us. We're well better. And then obviously, fate went, Oh, yeah, 
So you know how you cheeky get, and then <laughs> buy into a it goes absolutely dreadful for the rest of the game. So yeah, I don't know. We was we were lucky to get through and a, a different opposition on the day, or um, a different manager in our dugout, so we would have easily been out the cup again. Yeah, definitely, I think Marco Silva loses that game without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and Dustin Millwall, who could only put set pieces in the box. I mean, let's 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 be realistic here and just <laughs> we've lost them. We've lost. I've seen Evan lose that exact game five times in the last ten years. There you go. At least that's a, at least we come out on the right side. That's the the real positive. And it was two well taken goals as well. Chen Tolton scored one and scored another one that maybe should have counted. What would you take on the VAR decision? If it's marginally offside, it's still offside. Yeah. Spray on, on air was offside, wasn't it? Like, I, it, I have no problem with the marginal VAR decisions because you know they go in your favour as well. I mean, I, I do, but I've just accepted the reality that they're going to happen. But the annoying thing is that if we'd have been at the ground, it wouldn't have been any VAR. It's like Millwall scored an offside goal against us. Oh, sorry, there's no VAR. Exact same handball, the Millwall game. Oh, yeah, the like, to turn the telly off, so the referee did. What? Why? Yeah, exactly. You know, the Millwall manager saying stop putting the handball on the screen. Like you shouldn't have. You shouldn't pick and choose what games have got. It's like saying, oh, we're not having linesmen in some of these games because the pitch is too narrow. So we're just going to have a referee for one game in the third round. We're not going to have it with linesmen on the other. You can't have it mixed and matching. You need to have it. What also irritates me is that we could. I mean, we didn't play well on the occasion, but we could still be in the League Cup if that VAR, you know, Cavani elbows, Gary Mean is in that game. And could have been probably should have been sent off. But there was no yeah. VAR in the League Cup, but there is in the FA Cup. How does that work? But the, the VAR comes in the League Cup and the semi final stage, I think. It's it's a mess. It's just stop picking and choose. It's a farce. Why are they doing it? Like just, just, just level everything up. If you're gonna do it in the cup competitions in the Premier League grounds, do that in the other cup. I think the problem, of course, is I think the FA Cup and the League Cups operated by the EFL and the FA Cups operated by Shahad of the FX. Like they obviously have different stances on what they want to do, but it needs to be aligned to have some elements of fairness across you know across the board in English football. And just inconsistent. You know, and I know some of these stadiums, like in the lower leagues, aren't equipped to have VAR. But you know, for an FA Cup, for the purpose of an FA Cup tie, you think the FA could, like, you know, even for a one-off occasion, fund something. But but my problem is with that though. They're not going to put them in the lower league stadiums. They can't sort of get that sort of going. Just don't put them in the Premier League ones either. Then you can't just say. Man United are home to Ren, so they can that game can have VAR, but Luton versus Bristol City in the same round, they can't have it. It's just it it just goes back to this sort of double standard thing that is just all reeking around football at the moment. Not for a long time, but at the moment in particular. Yeah, I think if if anything it's getting worse, the double standards in English football, it's just farcical. I mean the the amount of things that people are allowed to like, have our game called off because City have a few COVID tests and then Villa have a ton of COVID tests but still have to play Liverpool. Yeah, ridiculous. Sorry, mate. I think it's I think it's sort of it's unprecedented times, of course, in regards to the COVID side of things, but that's an easy thing to get right, really, isn't it? You know, in terms of the, the rules for two different competitions, and, and to be fair, the rules in the same competition because the Premier League do whatever they want as well. You know, it's 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 easy to get it right, isn't it? You know, I, I was, I mean, without going off off uh, off script almost there, the, the City game, I was delighted they got called off. I didn't want our players mixing with with a side. Which, oh, absolutely. You know, it, 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 but but the point is then when you when you then see other teams being forced to play, um, you you have more more positive tests. Go back to West Ham earlier in the season. They, then they arrived at, a, at the ground. At one point, Moyes arrived and got told he had a positive test him and a couple of players, and they had to leave the ground. On you know, but the game still went ahead. You know, it's not it's not um, difficult to get this kind of thing consistent across the board, and that's where I think you know, same with the VAR. 
nine tied out of 32 using VAR in the FA Cup, which is just just ridiculous. You know, it's, it's not difficult to have consistency. And then people can't moan about it. You know, I, I think that's I think the tossing goes on side anyway. Because if you look at where they draw the line, the line's wrong. You know, and if you, it just doesn't make sense. And the picture that I saw, it was taken after it left Hammers's foot anyway. So it's just, you know, it doesn't make sense. And like it's you say, if you play, it is. We play a day ground with three, aren't we? And we, we wouldn't then probably. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance, but in my eyes, we did enough to get through because that goal should have really stood it. I mean, it's all ifs and buts, but. You know, as you say, the the call for consistency has been there for so long, and it and it seems to be getting worse as opposed to to getting better. That's for sure. I think for me the problem is I think the Premier League, FA, FL, whatever, all need to come out and have a COVID policy where, say, if up to ten players and staff all together test positive and the game gets called off, if it's not reached that milestone, you find another way. There needs to be a, a common sort of a, a common ground on what 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 constitutes yeah. and what and what constitutes the game going ahead because it's the same with the VAR who who decides that only the Premier League grounds can have it. And I mean, who, who sits down? That's a good idea. The VAR will decide. You know, the VAR will decide who it wants to win at the end of the day. Like you know, whoever's the VAR, if he doesn't fancy Everton, you know, getting through with the first attempt. You know, without extra time, they'll they'll decide that because obviously Mike's made a good point there where he it appears that the ball's already left Hammers's boot when Tossens offside. You can draw the lines up at all different points. It's either way, it's so close. I, I just if it if they're doing clear and obvious errors and that's fine, but that isn't clear and obvious really. Is it? That's the sort of standard definition of. What the VAR clear and obvious errors using Microsoft Paint to decide offside decisions. Yeah, but um, either way, we got through anyway. And I mean, was there any real like what was you say was the the real positive? Who was the positive for Everton today? Oh, oh yesterday, yesterday. Sorry, I forget what day it is, mate. Um, Evan, I'll go. Yeah, you mean when he came on, he put in some important blocks. Yeah, yeah, he means it too well. I thought Robin Olsen did that quite well with their set pieces as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they put some set pieces in that you'd probably sweat on if Pickford went to catch you. Mm. Or uh, it was Silver's own or Martin. I'd probably say the same. Olsen was good. Mina was good. Uh, Mina's had a, quite a big turnaround in form since the start of the season. He's got back to his... his uh, Got back to his level now. Um, Decore was good. And they didn't play well, but I'm glad to see Hammers and Dean back in the Premier League games. We're going to need them because when they're playing well, we're a different outfit. So I'd rather them play poorly in this game where we weren't punished and be better for the Premier League games, put it that way. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and with that in mind, you know, it's a quick turnaround. I think, is it Tuesday we're playing Wolves or Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday, bloody hell. You know, it's not much of a rest, but we're going to have to see what happens. But anyway, we'll leave this game, this game at that. I mean, tough, tough game. You know, we didn't make it easy for ourselves, but when do we ever make it easy for ourselves? We get through. Everton 2 rather than 1. Welcome to the match preview segment for Everton versus Wolves on Tuesday, the 12th of January. Everton go into this on the back of a 2-1 win over Rotherham, which required extra time. We made heavy weather of that one. And it's a very quick turnaround for this next game. We've got Wolves coming up. Not Never an easy team to play against to start with. We'll start with Owen on this one. Owen, how do you feel going into this off the back of what we've just witnessed on Saturday? I should. I, I'd hope it doesn't have any bearing on the game on on. on is it Tuesday? Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. So I I see them as two different games. Rotherham was a sort of a gnarly FA Cup third round tie that it looked like sixty percent of the players didn't even want to be on the pitch. Never mind, sort of go through. We get we got through anyway. We have to forget about that and focus on the Wolves game where we're going to need to dig in and just and just. Try and grind up results out like we have been because they're they're an awkward team to play against. They're not the most free flowing in terms of 
sort of styles that we're talking about. So it's going to be another one where try and get the first goal and just and see the game out. I feel by the we just we need to get back to just the way we have been playing before the West Ham game, and I feel like we can definitely win this one. It's it's a winnable game, but it's going to be a difficult game, and I feel like the key is the first goal. Yeah, definitely, and against these guys, and definitely given the way we are as well, I think you have to score first here, Mike. How, how, how are you feeling about this one? Are you, are you confident that we can turn things around? Um, I think I think pre West Ham, you know, it, it wasn't a game that I'd looked at and thought, you know, I, I don't see anything other than than three points. To be honest, we were in such good form. Uh, the West Ham game is still a bit, a bit of a puzzle now as to how. We, we didn't approach that game a bit differently and come away with the win. You know, um, we were so we were so poor in that game. Obviously, the Rotherham game, like like Owen said, then hopefully doesn't have any kind of bearing on things. You have got Calvert Lewin and Mitchell Allison to, to bring back in, which is a positive. Um, but I'd I, I, I be inclined to, to maybe go back to playing the, the four centre halves across across the back. To be honest, put Godfrey back at left back. So you know, Luca Dean's come back and played an hour. Um, he's, he's had a bad injury. He's come back really quickly. We need to manage that correctly. Um, we've got the pace of Adama Sayori to look at as well. You know, Ben Godfrey we know is quick and can and can you know deal with him better. I think than probably Luca Dean can. And maybe better than anyone in our team can. hundred percent. You know, Luca Dean. He, he shows yesterday he was rusty, which is totally understandable. You know, the kid. The kid. Um, what we said before, all of Sunday was was going past him at will at times with that pace. So we struggled, and, and we understand why. Um, so maybe Holgate back in at right back, Godfrey back at left back, me and Akeem, two centre halves, and and just try, you know try and play the way we were playing. You know, before the West Ham game. Um, again, like Owen was saying, first goal's pivotal. We can nick the first goal. I think I think we win the game. But these, you know, they're a good side. They're not, not the same side without Jimenez. Jimenez is is, is always a real threat. Um, he always scores against us. He does, he does. You know, and obviously we wish him all the best in his recovery as well after what was a horrific injury. Um, but you know, as I say, first goal, first goal, pivotal. If we can get that, then I expect us to get back to winning ways. To be honest. Yeah, well, it's always the way with Everton. I find we score first, we win. We don't, we don't win. That's the that's the truth for the majority of the Premier League games this season. I feel there's there's lots of games, especially with no fans being in attendance. That the 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 tight games and often a goal decides it. And you see lots lots of games that are sort of nil nil on the hour. And it's that who, who blinks first and gets the winning goal. It's the it's the way it is. I feel we have to sort of. I want a positive start to go out and get, get after them and then. Get that goal and then see where we go from there. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. Obviously, it's a, going to be an interesting fixture. I mean, Wolves are a very difficult team to play against, and they're really well defensively drilled, which is like I think that we always find it hard to break these kind of teams down. I think Terry, how do you see us finding a way of breaking these down? I don't know. To be honest, it's um. I, th- I don't think, you know, touching on what Mike said, I don't think we're going to go back to the four centre-backs across the back. I think they it'll be really telling now who the centre-back partnership is because I think Dean and Coleman will start. I think they're his first choice full-backs. And Dean will be crucial if he can, you know, if he can get that rust off him from the Rotherham game and get back into, you know, into decent form. Dean and Richarlison down the left makes us a completely different outfit. And with James Rodriguez on the right, we've got our creative players back now. So we might see a case of, even though you know we're the away team, we have a lot more of the ball. We try and break balls down. They try and hit us on the break and do us on set pieces. The same way we were playing in December, they might do a, a version of that against us. But it's it, we saw at the beginning of the season, you know, when, when James and Dean and Richarlison are all on form, it's just like, you know, shooting fish in a barrel for Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the amount of chances they were making for him. I think that's the team we're going to go back to now. We're going to try and become this, you know, creative attacking team. And it's just about the individual defenders and defensive players sort of doing their jobs, yeah. Like, who he has at centre-back, like I said, I don't know, because 
I think long term, I think Godfrey or Keane, Godfrey and Keane, excuse me, could be the partnership. But yeah, you know I mean it's a man's selection the way he came on and played. You know what I mean? He, he, you know, he's been playing really well and he played really well against Rotherham. So that'll be the most interesting thing. I don't think we're in any danger of not seeing these players if they fit the Deans, the, the Hameses. Obviously, we'll have um, Richardson and Carver Lewin back. It's more a case of who plays in the other positions, who's going to play in midfield. I think it's pretty safe to say. I think personally that it'll be to Corey Davies and Sigurdsson because one of the one of Davies and Gomez has got to play, and it's the minute it's still Davies because to, I've, not, I've not seen a drop off in a player quite like Andre Gomez from being our most important midfielder two years ago when he was on loan to being a waste of time now doesn't do anything doesn't create doesn't tackle doesn't you know just runs up to the opposition player and stands in front of them and doesn't block anything so I think um, I think the team is pretty easy to predict apart from a centre-back personally yeah I think for me I'm kind of on Mike's side to an extent I'm not sure about the Coleman Holgate thing on one side but I think Godfrey at left back to stop Traore or one of their wingers who are very mercurial from getting any joy would be a very good move. Possibly, or, or we could see, um, you know, despite Yeri Mina playing well, we could see Godfrey at left centre back just to like, stop that cutting, you know, to go with them. Um, but I think it, teams who do this against Wolves, who play, who change their team up to accommodate for Traore. They just move into the other wing. We did it last year. We played two left backs um, in that awful game after lockdown. The first lockdown, we had Baines at left centre back and Luca Dina, you know, left wing whichever, back, yeah. Whatever way round it was, I can't remember. But basically, two left backs on the pitch, and they just put Traore on the other side. I ref- <laughs> I, I refuse to believe that we weren't sort of in the pub and the eat out a half out scheme before that game because we were abysmal. That was the worst performance of last season. It was dreadful. Mm-hmm. Don't think we left our own half. Oh, well, I, remember, I remember that really vividly, to be honest. But I don't know. Oh, I, think, yeah. I think it's one of them. I've seen Luca Dean get absolutely rinsed by Traore so regularly since they've both been playing in the same league. It's like, as good as yeah. Dean is going forward, I think he's, he's not that good defensively and we could be in trouble if he has a bad game. Thing thing is though, if if you play Godfrey at left back, they just move. They'll just move Traore to the other side, knowing full well because they're used to the to teams doing these little you know tweaks to their team to accommodate Traore. And it they, all they'll do is go right then, fair enough. And then then we've got less creativity down the left. So what I do, I, I what I expected to do is play a back four, a, a, a normal back four with both full backs, and then whichever side Traore's on, if he's causing us a problem, I oh, think God's over there. Of Godfrey will either start at centre back, or if he doesn't, if he's if he's rampaging down the the left our left wing, you might see him come on, same way he did against Rotherham. Or if it's the other side, you might see Godfrey or even Holgate go down. If if Traore's on the other side, you could see Coleman come off for one of the centre backs. Uh, I know Holgate's not quite the same as Godfrey, but you know he's a better defender, I think, than Coleman. So okay. I think it's one of those in play changes that Carlo makes rather than from the start. Where you, you say I, I can definitely I can definitely still see Luca Dean starting the game, but I could see Holgate starting right back over Coleman just because of the fact that we want to keep it tight in this game. We don't want to concede, and Holgate's been been decent at right back. I, I can I would feel more comfortable Holgate playing than Coleman in this one. Personally. I I actually, I was agree with that Owen. Uh, for me, it's not just a case of the Armstrong these days. There's also like Pedro Neto who's been excellent this season. He's a really good player. He's a much better player than Traore. Oh, he's a much better player, but obviously he's not got the speed and the strength of him, but he's a very gifted player. But they've got a threat on either side, so we need to be mindful either way. I just think Holgate's, Holgate's or Godfrey, a fullback, would be a better defensively than Coleman. He's a bit of a winger, but Daniel Podent is a good player as well. Just... I think he's injured, Podent. Oh, that's right, yeah. I'll just have a quick check. Um... Yeah, he's out for a few weeks. He's not going to play, but it'll be probably be Traore and Neto on the flanks. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, they've changed to a back four these days, Wolves, just because of the fact that Jimenez is injured, Joss is no longer there. So, need to get as many creative players on the pitch as possible. Otherwise, they, 
it'll just be really blunt. So I, I feel like there's a way of winning this game, but I wouldn't just sort of throw everything there and let them hit us on the break because I feel like we'll be. That's, that's how they like to play, I think. Yeah, they're a counter-attacking team, so limiting their counter-attacking ability. I think the core is really important in this one, in this one to sort of win yeah. the ball when they're trying to transition it. Yeah, definitely. For me, the, the big thing for us is, like I think, they're very well defensively drilled. We've got to try and break this down. Uh, do these players have it in them to find a way? I mean, we saw that they were capable of it earlier on in the season. Obviously, we're a bit more depleted, but what can say I'll take a different approach to this one because of the fact that if we if we sort of sit 10 yards deeper and let them have the ball, I feel like they'll really struggle to break us down in this one. And we've got the pace with sort of Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison on the break, either player Wobi or Hammers. We've got the ability on the break. I think it's just about... I feel like we there's a lot more joy to be had for us counter-attacking them than it is for us to just knock the ball around and see if we can break them down. Because I feel like they'll be really difficult to do that against because I, I just don't feel like the moment we've got that sort of confidence to do that to teams. Yeah, I think for me, we're relying on some players who I don't personally think are professionally motivated. You know, your Gomez's, your Bernard's, your... Uh, Tom Davis, even I know he's not on a fat wedge like the other ones, but he's still not giving enough for me. Uh, you know, relying on some of these players to turn up, whether it's from the start or off the bench, and I just don't trust some of them. Like to find the way, I think we need to get more. We do need to bring in a few more players, but I think we need to get the most out of what we've got. So, what would you go with in the midfield, Owen? Yeah, uh, Davis and Decore. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd play all us in here over Andre Gomez. Um, so the weather's <laughs> left Davis and Decore. Daddy, would you second that one? Davis Decore is the sort of two defensive mids. Yeah, absolutely. Like you just there's just no case to be made for playing Andre Gomez um, alongside Decore. Um, I think. We might see Sigurdsson. It depends. Um, but I've just had a thought then. We could have Iwobi on the right with um, Hammers. Yeah, I didn't think of that. So I think that might be more likely, but I don't know. He seems to like Sigurdsson deep, doesn't he? So I, I would have Davies, the Corey and Hammers, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Hammers on the right with Sigurdsson in the middle and have Iwobi on the bench. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but I think either way, going forward, I think our resources aren't too bad. We need more strength and physicality in that midfield is the concern. Well, Apart from well, Torre and, of course, Alan, who's injured, we need more in that midfield. We need, we need Alan back in another one to, to be really to be really a strong side because Alan's really good, big fan of his. And then yeah, he's excellent. Someone else, I don't whether that be a goal-scorer midfielder who, who can sort of push teams back and hassle them or another defensive midfielder who can win the ball back and just allow the attacking players to, to thrive. We, we need something that, that worries teams and on top of what we don't already have, which is Gomez doing his thing and Davis, who isn't really at the level. Yeah, exactly. Mike, what would you go with for sort of line-up for this game? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's going to be Davis and Decore as the two. Um, I'd be, I'd be inclined to have, have Hammers. I wouldn't, I wouldn't play Sigurdsson, but like you say, Carlos seems to like Sigurdsson. Uh, but I, I put Hammers as the, as the ten almost with a Wobi on the right, and the two of them can interchange anything quite nicely. You know, Wobi can come in centrally. Uh, I think you know, I know he wasn't yeah. great. Yeah, he wasn't great yesterday, a Wobi, but you know, we all know he's had a, a nice upturn in his, in his form. Um, and, and I like I like what he does at Wobie. I like the way he comes inside. He he's big and strong as well, you know. And we and yeah. my 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 bugbear with Sigurdsson, you know. And as much as he's had a bit of an upturn in his in his uh, form as well, and I've said on our podcast quite regularly, he, he, he tends to, you know, when, when he's pressing, he tends to when the ball goes past him, he then slides in when the ball's gone. So as a, as a, as a sort of uh, almost second line of defence behind Calvert Lewin, he's not. I think a Wobie's a little bit a little, got a bit more physicality what he what he definitely has. Um, he grafts more than Rodriguez does. 
Yeah, 100%. So you see, you've got the option there of, of, of him and, and Hammers then obviously interchanging if needs be. Obviously, Calvert Luna will lead the line with Richardson on the left hand side. Um, so it, it gives us the options as well. If, if we play a Wobi and Hammers, you've got the option to play a little bit more attacking if needs be. Or, like, like Owen said before, we could quite, we could quite happily sit. You know, with with that uh, that back four and sit sort of ten yards deeper and try and play on the counter as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, I think you find like you, you throw the Charleston in there with those two. I think you can be flexible with all three of them. In what position do you take up? Mm. We're, we're quite regular. You see, you get Charleston go to the right, don't you? He'll he'll move across. Rodriguez on the left, or it will be on the left. Of course, and it's good to have that kind of flexibility. The better sides do, you know, they all interchange. And and like we were saying before about sort of Sayori and and you know if. If we try and go sort of like for like in terms of pace and power, he'll just sort of change sides. Well, we, we need to be needs to be like that. We need to sort of uh, work out puzzles and stuff that have been set as well. And and having those sort of five up up top, if you like, or, or sorry, those those four in in a in a diameter interchanges would be would be uh, helpful. I think in this game, certainly. Uh, so yeah, interesting one, but you know. You can never age with this Everton side sometimes, but I'll just see it going. Predictions, guys. 1 1. 1 1. Mike? I'm saying 1 0 Everton. I think we'll uh, we'll nick, nick the goal and then we'll and then we'll sit quite happily. Uh, I'll even just going to say a Wobie will score the goal, I think. Oh, well, uh, Seri? Probably go with 1 1 as well. We've got two 1 1s and I'm going to check on Mike. Yeah. Predicted a win between us since the Brighton game, so I'm pretty surprised about that. Fair play, yeah. Well, if you you keep keep on doing that, we've won most of the games since then, so I'll be happy. I'll be happy enough with that. Uh, but I'm gonna uh, use two on ones, and I'm gonna check a mic on that one. I'm gonna go with a one nil win. Hopefully, we low block the shit out of them, and you know we get over the line. But you never know. It, I mean, that seems how we got we got the results that way in December, and it was working for us. We might as well try it again. Until we're for fighting fit again, so I, I don't see why we shouldn't be taking that approach and hopefully getting the similar results to what we got throughout December. So, yeah, I'm going to go for a one nil win as well. Fingers crossed. A few listeners on the podcast, of course, we're going to finish up with the quiz. Of course, I've got three other participants alongside me in this podcast, so we're going to have a bit of a different sort of quiz format. We're going for the sort of Price of Right. Look, Owen doesn't have a clue what the Price of Right is, so we're going to explain that to him and probably the rest of them as well. So we're going to take that sort of approach to this one. Three, three players, and basically I'm going to name the uh, uh, set of figures, statistic of sorts, and each contestants is going to have to guess the one closest guess the number closest to the actual number for each statistic and whoever gets it right whoever gets the closest wins the point and we're going to go up to five on that so uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, we'll, we'll go with our, our guest uh, we'll go with Mike first and then we'll sort of work it in, in all we'll go, I'll go with uh, Mike then Owen then Terry Uh no way, it's going to be a difficult way of doing a, a coin toss in this format. But so we'll just sort of, I'm just going to screw Terry over and we'll do the quiz that way. And uh, so, yeah, basically, the statistic that we are working on is Everton's all time assists. And basically, I've got a list of, of players here who've registered assists for Everton in the Premier League era. I'm going to just read out a few names and whoever gets the closest figure to the number of assists that player got, uh, we'll get the points and whoever gets the five first win the quiz. So we'll start with you, Mike. And the player in question for you first is Thomas Gravison. How many assists did Thomas Gravison score for Everton? How many assists did he get for Everton? I'm going to go with 17. 17. Owen? How many assists for Thomas Gravison? I don't think I ever seen this battle play live. Never mind to know how many assists he have. Um, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with fourteen. Fourteen, Terry. 
I'm going to go with 20. I did see him play live, but I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Terry, I can tell you, Terry, you definitely have seen him play live because he actually got exactly 20 assists and you've got the point, mate. So a very good yeah. start for you there, Terry. You've got the exact number. 20 assists for Thomas Gravison and it's 1.4 Terry McAllister. Uh, very good start there, Terry. Um, you, you got no, that one. Said. You got that one, so you can go first on this one, Terry. Um, next up, Gary Naismith. How many assists did Gary Naismith get for Everton, Terry? Minus five. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with ten. Ten. Mike? I'm going with seven. Seven? Owen? I wouldn't know who this fellow was if he punched me in the street. Um, <laughs> eight. Eight. Terry, you've got it again. You've all desperately underestimated Scottish Roberto Carlos, I'll tell you that. He got 13 <laughs> assists. So, Terry, it's 2 nil. It's 2 nil nil in Terry's favour. Uh, you know... Terry, I let Terry go last again, and it looks like it's the winning formula again for Terry. So, um, right next up, Terry again, you're up first. The all time Everton leading assist creator, Leighton Baines. How many did Leighton Baines get? Oh, um, should know this because it was probably like displayed at the end of last season, wasn't it? But I can't remember. I'm gonna go with a guess of 40. 40. Owen? 41. 41. Scumbag. I'm, go- I'm going with 53. Well, Mike, you were- Mike's definitely uh, been reading up on the stats because you're very close. You got 54, and Mike's got go. a point. P- personal, personal all time favourite player, Leighton Bean. So we've got that one. Ma- uh, massively wrong. I wouldn't be, uh, yeah. wouldn't be very good, would no, I? No, be fair, no, I think you're if you were asking me Evans passing accuracy in the Sam Allardyce here, I'd have five out of five here. So, that's just how many shots on target they got in each game. Zero, zero, zero. Minus two. Five, no. But yeah, Leighton Bean's obviously got some of the best assist statistics in the whole Premier League. He's comfortably out in front with 54. Next up is successor Luca Dean. And on that one, Mike, you're up first, mate. Um, I'm going to say 24. 24. Owen? 17. 17. And Terry? 18. 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, Terry, well, Terry, I can tell you, you've scumbagged them the wrong way because Owen was the closest with 17. Luca Dean got 15 assists. So far in his Everton career. So Owen's got everyone's got a point off the on the board. Uh two for Terry, one each for Owen and Mike. Don't play with me on game, Terry. <laughs> uh, ne- next up, Dominic Calvert Lewin. How many assists has Dominic Calvert Lewin got? Owen, you're up first, mate. You got that last one right. Um nine. Nine. Mike. I was going to say nine, so I'll uh, I'll go up to ten. Go for ten, Terry. Everyone, everyone's just like, oh, what number does he wear on his back? It must be that number. <laughs> Eight. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, you scumbag, and he's done you no favors, guys, because Owen got the, got it spot on. He's got nine assists. Oh, so scumbag, and he's getting get... you nowhere. Owen, you're on two, mate. kids are kids, eh? Isn't it? This is trying, this is this is the equivalent of going away to Burnley and sitting back. It doesn't work. <laughs> oh, <it's all laughs> oh god. Uh Tim Kale. Oh, Owen, you're up first, mate. How many sisters Tim Kale got? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Teddy. No, is she is there ages? What am I going on about? Twenty-one. So you've only got um, 21. Terry? 26. 26 and Mike? Uh, I'm going to say 19. 19. He just seems to be more known for his goals than his assists, but he's still red to the fair few. 28. So, Terry, you're, you're on three, mate. 
Moon be high because he's not because he was super creative, but he was always involved in goals. So it'd just be a lot of like, and he was here for eight years. So little, little like four yards, like roll, you know, assists to the layoffs opposition to Yakubu and yeah, all. Little, yeah, little layoffs and little, you know, pulling the ball back on the air, the touchline and stuff. Yeah. Um, right. So Terry, you're yeah, up again. You're up again, Terry. Um, Phil Neville. How many assists has Phil Neville got? Minus forty. Yeah. Um. Um. Ten. I mean, he was in the team for a while. He was in midfield for a while. I'm gonna go with ten. Ten. Owen. Twelve. Mike. Um. Thirteen. Scumbaggery has actually worked for you here, Mike. Phil Neville's got 14 <laughs> assists and it's it's two for Mike, two for Owen, three for Terry, all to play for. And Mike, you're you're first for this one. Ross Barkley, how many assists did Ross Barkley get for Everton? Uh, I'll go 15. Uh, 15. Owen? 22. 22. And Terry? 18. 18. I mean that that this doesn't actually count the time you assisted uh, Joe Anderson in calling the police, but uh, <laughs> uh, you're actually perfect again, Terry. That's 18 assists for Ross Barkley, and you're one away from the win. Yes. Uh, yeah. So Terry, your first match point. How many assists did Stephen Pienaar get for Everton? Twenty-two. 22. Owen? 23. 23. And Mike? 27. 27. These are all well off, but Mike, you're by far the closest. Stephen P. did very well. You got 35 assists. So, Mike, you're up to three now. Owen on two. Terry on four. Still Terry's match point, but you're going first on this one, Mike. How many assists did Kevin Morales get for Everton? I'll say 23. 23. Terry? I'll say 25. Five. And Owen? I'll say he had more sending off than assists. And (laughs) how many assists and sending off has he got? I'll go. I'll go twenty-four. Twenty-four assists. So that's twenty-four, twenty-five, and twenty-three. That's about right, isn't it? Yeah. But Mike, you're the closest again with twenty-three. But I've only got twenty assists. Oh, I'm gonna go lower as well. So it's a match point. It's a joint match point here between Mike and Terry. Uh, took, and Mike, you get to go first. Took Owen in there by leaving the one in between me and Mike, just so I knew he wouldn't be able to resist it. He was going to go lower. <laughs> Set, like setting the present traps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Mike, uh, for the match point, how many assists did Kevin Campbell get for Everton? I'll say 12. 12, Owen? 14. Terry? 15. 15. Kevin Campbell registered 10 assists, which means, Mike, you're the winner of the quiz, mate. Excellent. So, so Terry had three match points and he's pissed off the wall. And Mike's come oh, what's Terry on. done it? He's come he's up on the rails here. He, he played the same way 3-0 up as he would have done 3-0 down. Honestly, <laughs> mentality of me is terrible, mate. I need, I need shipping. <laughs> you, 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 need to get, you need to get that uh, sports psychologist that I was like, tired for a bit and then sat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mike, you're the winner of the quiz, mate. And in true quiz winner fashion, you get to choose the song which is out at the end of the podcast. Uh, Mike, pick a favourite song, mate. Something to see us out at the end of this show. We had a discussion last time. Remember when I said if I won, I'd, I'd pick the Coronation Street theme tune. I'm going to stick by that. Have a bit of Coronation <laughs> Street just to see us out for today. Coronation Street theme tune. I mean, 
<laughs> I've heard many uh, things to say on the podcast. Corey Dean June on another level of like I was never expecting that one. Appeals to all ages, mate. You know, go, goes to the generations, Corey. So it goes to the generations. Just like I said, we shall not be moved or something, didn't we? Yeah, you said we shall not be moved. And all together now. That, and it wasn't aware that any of them were real songs, I wouldn't chance. It was the best idea I've ever heard, like to finish a podcast with the Coronation Street being tuned. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where's Mike gets the nod and he's giving us the nod to go with Coronation Street. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, stop it, you reckon? Literally, when Terry was like on four, on four points, we thought we were going to like, stop the count. Pop the count, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, Mike's the winner of the quiz and he's asked us to play Coronation Street theme tune at the end of the show. So we'll grant him his wish and you will get to listen to Corrie in a minute. So thank you guys for tuning in on the Toffee Blues and we'll see you next time. See you later. Mm-hmm.